Thank you, boys and girls. And uh, what a reminder to us that that's really what Christmas and really what the message of the Bible is all about. God loves sinners. He came to save, and he does save us. I want us to uh, think this morning about uh, this wonderful birth announcement. You know, uh, we all love to get birth announcements in the mail, don't you? Don't you like to get uh, you get a card from somebody, and it has a picture saying, guess what? We're going to have a, a baby, and uh, we are uh, expecting our great, our second great grandchild uh, in February. By the way, tomorrow is mine and my wife's 52nd wedding anniversary, so we're very grateful. So it's about time we start having great grandchildren, isn't it? So, uh, so we're expecting our second one, and it's always been so much fun for our the first one, and then now this second one. The way they announced to us that they were going to have a baby, we love birth announcements, don't we? Well, what uh, the scripture that uh, Stephanie read this morning is the greatest birth announcement of all. It's when the angel appeared to Mary and told her that she was going to have a baby. And uh, she was, of course, amazed at that. She was shocked. She was surprised to think that uh, she was going to have a baby. She was engaged to be married, betrothed, it was called. But uh, uh, she and Joseph had not come together as husband and wife. And so the idea that she was going to have a baby was both uh, uh, shocking and disturbing. The idea that uh, she was going to have to explain to her soon-to-be husband that she was expecting a baby that he knew was not his was uh, obviously a, a pretty shocking and disturbing thing. So I want us to think uh, about this passage that we read. And I, I know uh, Stephanie has already read it, but I, I just want to read it again. I don't think we can ever hear the scriptures too much, can we? Uh, in the sixth month, that is the sixth month of uh, Elizabeth's uh, pregnancy, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, by the way, Nazareth was a small, insignificant town that actually had a reputation for being meaningless. In fact, later in the scriptures, we'd have somebody say, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It was just a... a I don't know, maybe, I, well, I wouldn't want to offend anybody. I started to say like, kind of like Ovilla, you know, but uh, uh, maybe like Ovilla was uh, 30 or 40 years ago. But, uh, but just a kind of a backwater town, uh, a distant backwoods town. Um, people living in Nazareth were kind of thought of as, uh, uh, I guess, maybe hillbillies or uh, something like that. And uh, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So the angel was sent, and he was sent to a virgin, uh, a young unmarried girl who was betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and her name was Mary. By the way, Mary was probably about 15 years old. Uh, Alexis, come up here just a second. Give you a little visual of what Mary might have looked like. Thank you. There we go. 
She was a beautiful young girl, 15 years old. Alexis is 15. And uh, can you imagine if an angel appeared to you and told you that you were going to have a baby? That'd be pretty shocking, wouldn't it? And Paul is already saying, <laughs> I'm looking for that angel. Okay, you can go back and be seated now. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but it was not uncommon in that day for girls that age to be engaged. They usually, some of them as young as 13 were engaged to be married. And, uh, uh, and they usually married a man that was somewhat older, one that already had uh, uh, achieved some uh, level of occupation where he could provide a living. And so the angel appears to this girl named Mary, and he says uh, to her, verse 28, uh, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And, uh, but she was greatly troubled at the saying. I imagine she was greatly troubled at the appearance of an angel as well. But uh, the idea that, uh, the, that this angel says, Greetings to you, O favored one, the Lord is with you. What does it mean, favored one? I mean, you not know, I'm just a, a, a simple country girl. I live in Nazareth, my goodness. I'm engaged to be married to a carpenter or a stonemason possibly, and we're poor people. We're under the heel of the, of the nation of Rome. We I, highly favored one. And so she was troubled at the saying, and she tried to figure out what, what this means. What, what do you mean? And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Actually, in the Greek, it says stop being afraid because it was too late to tell her not to be afraid. She was already afraid. Stop fearing, for you have found favor with God. And behold, here's the news. Here's the announcement. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name, Jesus. So not only is she given the announcement that she's going to have a child, but even the, the gender of the child and the name of the child. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, again, you have to understand, at this particular time, there was no throne of the house of David. There was uh, uh, King Herod, and there was Emperor Tiberius, but there was no throne of the house of David. So this announcement was amazing. It's worthy of a whole sermon just in itself, but no, not, not this morning. And Mary said to the angel, how, how, how can this be? I'm, I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man, so how, how is this possible? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit <clears throat> will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. 
And uh, this is uh, another message that I'm not going to preach right now, but uh, the idea is, look, the virgin birth of Jesus is absolutely essential to the doctrine of the ministry of Christ. If he had been born of Joseph and Mary or any other human and Mary, he would have been born a sinner just like we were. So it is imperative that the virgin birth took place. Had he not been born as he was, he could not have been what he was, sinless. And if he were not sinless, he could not have done what he did, die as a substitute, an innocent, sinless substitute for sinners. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Two great miracles actually here. One, uh, Elizabeth's uh, conception and having a son who would be John the Baptist and then Mary's uh, son, all right? And uh, for nothing will be impossible with God. It's just a great verse, isn't it? You say, well, what, what can God do? Uh, he can do anything he wants to do, and uh, nothing is impossible with God. <clears throat> and then Mary said, and this, I love this verse, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. I want to give you ten thoughts and then four lessons, and they'll all be brief. I know you kind of think when I said ten points everybody thought oh, no lunch today okay but they'll be they'll be brief okay the first thing is <clears throat> as I read this I realized that God's ways are just not our ways we, we want so much to figure things out don't we we want to plan things we want to say this is how it ought to be this is the way I would do it and God says well the way I do it is probably not going to be the way you would do it at all God's ways are are not our ways. <clears throat> so many times people ask me the question. Over the years, I've had this question maybe more than any other question. Why? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? And I just have to say, those are mysteries. But I do know this. God has a purpose. God has a design. God has a plan. And his ways are not our ways. The second thing is that God chooses those he uses. God makes the choice. You know, I used to just hate recess time. I know most kids love recess at school, but I did not enjoy recess when I was in the fourth grade, fifth grade, and uh, you may know why. Because we always played ball, and they would always choose the two best players to be the captain of the team. And so it was usually Barrett Stevens and Gerald Hadley, they were the two the captains, and then all the rest of us would stand in a group over here, and Barrett would choose Mike Butler, and then uh, uh, Gerald Shelton, and the pile would get smaller and smaller until it came down to one boy left. Any idea who that might have been? It was me, and I'm standing here, 
And then there would be kind of a fight over me. <clears throat> Who had to take me, you know? Well, we had him last time. Uh, you have to. And that was just embarrassing. It was just humiliating to think that I was always chosen last. Now, I had no idea at that time that God was preparing a sermon illustration. But it didn't feel like that at the time. It just felt like I am the I was the youngest always in my class. I was always the youngest boy because my mother started me to school too early. And uh and and I, I always got chosen last. And I just thought how wonderful it would be to be the first one chosen. To have Barrett Stevens say I want Nikki on my team. Well, I dreamed of that. I thought of it, but it never happened. And I, when I read the Bible, and I read passages like over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where it says that God does not choose many who are wise and who are strong and who are talented and who are rich. He chooses some like that. So if you are all those things, don't despair. He can still use you. But it says God chooses the weak things, those things that are meaningless to the world, those things that the world counts as nothing. Those are the things that God often uses and chooses so that no flesh can boast in his presence. And I'm, I'm grateful that even though Barrett and Gerald never chose me, God chose me. That's even better, isn't it? To be chosen by the creator of the world and to know that he wanted me. He chose me for salvation. I have lots of relatives in my family who are not Christians. We grew up together. We grew up with the same influences. We grew up going sometimes to the same churches when we were little boys and, and girls and uh, cousins of mine. And so few of them have a relationship with Jesus. And I so many times, when I think about my childhood and I think about my growing up, my family, and I just wonder, God, why? Why would you have set your affection on me? I had no skills. I had no, uh, nothing really to, that would, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say, would, would uh, make me uh, stand out, desired, yeah. And for some reason, God just said, hey, I love you. And not only do I love you, not only did Jesus die for you, I want you to be an ambassador for me. I want you to be a preacher and herald my good news for the rest of your life. God chooses those he uses. Then the third thing is that Mary was young. She was poor. She was oppressed. She was from Nazareth. But she was humble and obedient and yielded 
and pure. And God chose her. Number four, she was chosen for a great purpose. She was to bear the Son of God. She was to be, and I know that people really take offense at the phrase mother of God, uh, but she was the mother of God. She was the mother of Jesus. Jesus is God. And so she bore into this world by the hovering ministry of and creative work of the Holy Spirit, she bore a child, and it was the Holy Son of God. She was chosen for a great purpose. Number five, she questioned how this was possible. And she wasn't rebuked for doing it. Sometimes we ask the question, God, how how could you use me? And uh, he said, it's okay to ask that. But here's what I want you to know. It's not you. You're not the focus. God is the focus. And he will do the work. Nothing's impossible for him. And I... A lot of times when I'm teaching school or when I'm around a bunch of kids and, and uh, uh, sometimes I'll substitute at school and I used to teach school and there would be some kids in there that I'd think, man, why do I have to have them in my class? They're stinkers, you know? And, uh, and then God reminds me, hey, be careful. Don't disparage one of these that you think is not, couldn't amount to much because I'm just liable to choose them to be the next evangelist and the next preacher and the next missionary. And that helps me. That encourages me. And uh, so that's the sixth thing. It's the work of God, not man. God says, I, I, I'll do it. Mary, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just asking you to be the recipient of my grace. And then number seven, she was informed of other miracles. The angel said to her, hey, in case you're wondering if this is possible, you know your cousin Elizabeth, who's now older, I thought about having some older woman come up here and stand with uh, Alexis, but I thought I better leave that alone. Uh, but uh said, you know, you've heard about Elizabeth. You know she's going to have a baby. And here she's been considered way too old to have a baby. And so I just want you to know you're not the only one that God is working with. And there other miracles taking place. And then number eight, as a servant, she accepted God's will. I love that verse where it says, let it be to your servant according to your will. You know, it's, it would be possible, I guess, for a person to get boastful, kind of arrogant, proud. I'm going to have the Son of God? Well, I won't be doing dishes anymore. 
I'll tell my mother, hey, I'm going to be the mother of the Son of God. I can't do any more chores around the house. Thankfully, she didn't have that attitude. And, of course, obviously God knew she wouldn't have that attitude probably. But she said, the role I want to play, I just want to be a servant. In our culture, and really throughout human history, people want to be rulers. Generally speaking, people want to be bosses. They don't want to be servants. But when God looks at the world, he says, I'm looking for those who have the heart of a servant. And it's to them that I will make my will known. In the New Testament, the first miracle that Jesus performed at a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee, the Bible says that they ran out of wine. And uh, Mary said to the host, uh, whatever he says to do, you do it. And so Jesus said, fill up these... uh, jars huge jars with water and then and the servants the bible says the servants filled the jars with water and then jesus turned them into wine and we brought them and the people tasted it and there's a verse in there that says the ruler of the house did not know what had happened but the servants knew and i read that one day and i thought that's just the way god is So many times, the big shots in our world, they don't really understand what God's doing. But those who have hearts of a servant seem to understand the ways of God. So uh, Mary accepted it as a servant. And then the next point, number nine, it led, this led to challenge rejection and even danger sometimes when we accept God's will uh, things don't go well for us now we're not told a lot about what happened in Nazareth and later in Bethlehem and later in other places but Mary must have suffered some shame some scorn some rejection, and possibly even some ridicule. And because, and we know that she faced great danger. She had to travel and give birth to a baby in a, in a, a barn or a stable or, and, and, and hunted by Herod's uh, soldiers. It was not an easy thing. And to do God's will many times is to face a difficult, difficult, challenging task. And the people who are serving as missionaries, we've seen some of their videos the last week or two, uh, they would all say, we wouldn't be anywhere else. We're where God wants us to be. But it's hard. It's challenging. It's costly. And many times it's even dangerous. And so it was with Mary. And then, but number 10, it also led to a great heritage. 
and honor and blessing. You want to have a great impact on your world and then on the generations that follow you? Be a servant of God and do his will. Do what he tells you to do and do it joyfully. And you may not think you're having much of an impact. Most people don't know who Mordecai Ham was. He was a preacher who preached a sermon up in North Carolina and a boy named William Franklin Graham came to Christ that night and became maybe the greatest evangelist that the world has known. Most people, I can't even remember the name of the Sunday school teacher who went into a shoe store and led a young clerk named Dwight L. Moody to faith in Christ, who was his Sunday school teacher. Anybody remember his name? No, but aren't you thankful for him? <laughs> aren't you thankful that God used a nameless, unimportant, shy, fearful servant who made a commitment to God that he was going to personally share Christ with all of his Sunday school boys. And he goes and he shares Jesus with Dwight L. Moody. He accepts Christ and becomes the great evangelist. If you say yes to God, God may use you in a way that seems almost insignificant to you. You may just lead somebody to Christ. Maybe only one or two people in your life. And yet God may use those people as an extension of the ministry that God's given to you. So, uh, here, here are the four encouragements to you. Never ever say that God can't use you. A lot of people think that, don't they? A lot of people think, well, I, how could God use me? I, I thought that when I was 15, 16 years old. Zoe, you ever think, how could God use me? You ever think that? Most people do. Austin, you ever think, could God use me? Hey, let me tell you the answer. Yes. Yes. It is totally not dependent at all on our ability, our skill, our appearance, our talent, anything. It's all dependent upon him. So never, ever, ever say, God couldn't use me. Maybe you say, well, I, I, I'm, I'm too old. Maybe you say, I'm too young. God says, no, Elizabeth was old. Mary was young. Yeah, I can use them both. Never say God can't use you. And then number two, realize that you are highly favored. <laughs> the angel says, greetings, highly favored one. Well, it must have been nice that he highly favored Mary. Look, if the angel of the Lord were to appear 
to you right now, Danny, he'd say, you're highly favored. You say, well, how am I highly favored? Because God loves you. Because Jesus died on the cross for you. You're highly favored. That word favored there is the word grace. You're highly graced. You've been given grace. And then number three, realize that he is able. We're not able. There are times I've been called upon to do some things that I felt totally ill-equipped to do. In fact, I would say that the number one uh, uh, not fear, but uh, kind of threat or accusation that has come to me over the years is you're not adequate. You're inadequate. You're not, you're not capable. And every time that comes, I do two things. Number one, I agree with my adversary quickly. And I say, you're right. I'm not. But then the second thing is to say, praise God, he is. He is able. He is able. And, uh, and then number four, be a servant and yield to him. And say, Lord, your servant. Your servant says, be it unto me according to your word. Whatever you say, I'll do. And uh, that's the great birth announcement. But here's the great announcement to you and to me. The God who chose Mary has chosen you. And the God who fulfilled his work through Mary will fulfill his work through you. If you can have the response of saying, Lord, you're able, and I trust you, and I'm your servant, and I yield to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this uh, passage of Scripture. It's just ministered to my heart all this week as I've thought about this announcement to this little nobody girl, a girl that would have been passed over by the world. And yet because of her obedience and because of her willingness to serve, you have made her name blessed. And people all around the world Almost everybody who knows about Jesus knows about Mary. And I pray that as you worked in her and through her, that you will work in and through us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And for our invitation this morning, let me just ask you this question. Is there a sense that you have in your own heart? Maybe you've thought, well, I know God can use other people, but I'm just not sure he can use me. Wouldn't it be wonderful if this morning, just as a result of this passage of Scripture, you were able to say, Lord, I believe that you've chosen me. 
And I'm not even sure what you've chosen me for, but I acknowledge that as a Christian, you've, I'm chosen. And because you've chosen me, you have something for me to do. And I just ask you to help me yield to that. Let me say, your servant is willing. And uh, if you need to do that, right where you are, just tell the Lord that. Just say, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm willing. And be it unto me according to your word. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.